Welcome to the Block Exploring Podcast, your first step into the world of crypto and blockchain. The Block Exploring Podcast is your one-stop place to find quick, clear, and unbiased information on everything in the crypto space. Our goal is to help you grow familiar with the crypto space by growing along with us as we go on our crypto journeys. Follow at Block Exploring on Twitter for our newest uploads and our publishing schedule. We, here at Block Exploring, are crypto enthusiasts working hard towards becoming experts. Today's podcast is presented by co-hosts Tommy and Elias. Find us on Twitter under at SabaiSquared and at Otoko Crypto. Right now you can find us on Spotify and YouTube. Before we start the episode, we would like to inform you that we are not financial advisors. Therefore, nothing said in this podcast should be considered financial advice. Always contact your financial advisor before making any investment. With that said, sit back and enjoy today's podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 22 of the Block Exploring Podcast. Here with me is Tommy. We're going to talk to you about everything that happened this past week. Now, if I look at the state of the market, Tommy, there was a big dip for a second there with Bitcoin dropping below the threshold of, I believe it was uh, in dollars. What was Mm -hmm. it? Like 38K or 40K or something like that. Uh, But I think that indeed uh, the number, the magic number after recovery is uh, something in the $50,000. It was a bit of a flash crash, but the recovery was just as fast, I feel, as the crash was. Um, I think a crucial point to take into account from the events of this week is that uh, we should take into account uh, if it will be able to cross the threshold uh, at like $48,000 and move into the 50000 right. because I, I feel like that's indeed where like a major point of recovery towards like April hmm. would be. Yeah, yeah that's, that, that's that golden, I mean, it's not golden number. It's just that like mental barrier that people, you know, I mean, people, I mean, like, you know, Bitcoin seems to be bouncing off um, downwards or, you know, it's it's just that mental barrier of that round number to get over, you know? Yeah, yeah. People like the round numbers and there you go. But if we break through it, you know, we might be some having quite an exciting, you know, run up potentially. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think also if uh, Ethereum will be able to retake for thousand mm-hmm. that round number indeed uh that we'll see like major recovery also in altcoins mm-hmm. across the board and um well right now we're seeing also a lot of eth killers or alleged eth killers i think they're more compatible with eth than eth killers but uh algorand solana Polkadot, they've been rocketing and uh yeah it's the question like will they continue to do so for coming week i think yes because it doesn't if if you look at the charts it doesn't look like any top is in they also constantly recover from um what do you call it resistant points mm-hmm. so and they never really uh dip below certain resistances mm-hmm. if you look at uh projects like algorand i think it's also because of the involvement with um uh, el salvador mm-hmm. because el salvador is building building on algorand okay. that it's getting so much support and Solana because it's just cheaper than ETH at the moment. And That's true. People are so pissed at gas fees still not dropping. It's been what a year. Mm-hmm. It's mainly or yeah. something. It's it's a it's no. a rough thing. It's a rough thing because uh, yeah, you know the main issue is right. 
NFTs are hot. They're hot, you know. They're they're the hot pocket right now, and um, you know these gas fees are really pricing out you know small creators. So yeah, people are looking for alternatives, and you know since layer twos and layer two interoperability is like not quite where we want it to be at the moment. You know, not where I imagine both of us envision no. the future will be. But um, well, that's why you know we might be seeing a big run-ups for Ethereum killer mm -hmm. killers. You know, it's a it's a harsh harsh word I think, but um, yeah. harsh label. But that's probably no, absolutely. We're seeing some good good movements over there. Yeah, exactly. It's just much more economical to develop the apps and um yeah i don't know overall um smart contracts on on those kinds of uh blockchains rather than the ethereum mainnet yep. or even layer two sometimes i think um another very important development that we've seen this week is uh, the sec going after well coinbase and uniswap or at least mm -hmm. threatening to uh and that's also what we're gonna talk about this week yeah. i think it will if um they decide to pursue a suit on a fully incorporated, well-established uh, company like Coinbase, which is fully uh, compliant with current SEC legislation following its, um, what do you call it, ICO. Mm -hmm. I think that that would be a very hard hit for the market. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also one of those things that kind of caused a quick dip yep because it was very close to the SEC publishing the statement on Coinbase's lending program. So, um, yeah, I think this we week we're going to talk Coinbase about, first? you know, this this mix of things that have happened that maybe have resulted in this flash crash, but yeah. it's also these things have major not it's not just, you know, about the flash crash now. It's about the major implications that it, the, these, you know, these topics or these issues or what we're going to talk about has for the future of crypto and blockchain mm -hmm. but yeah let's jump into no, it yeah so let's start off with coinbase since we're on the topic mm -hmm. anyways uh so what does the sec say about coinbase well basically coinbase launched a, a lending program where it launched this um interest rate on consumer holdings of uh, usdc and well the sec says you shouldn't do that because you're you're holding interest over a stable coin similar to how you would do over a fiat currency. I believe that's kind of the gist of their yeah. Argument. The thing is though, and what's what's crazy is that I mean what people are so up in arms about is that the SEC doesn't explain this. They mm -hmm. um from what from my understanding of the situation and what sort of Brian Armstrong, the CEO of uh, Coinbase, makes it out to be in his long long Twitter threads is that that. You know, um, they've that's Coinbase was subpoenaed for a bunch of information, right? And mm -hmm. a subpoena is not like a letter you can ignore, right? The subpoena is like you gotta comply with this, or else, you know, it's gonna be a big issue. So it's a serious yeah. thing, right? Because like whatever you answer to the subpoena can be used against you in the court of law, and all that. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so they've subpoenaed them and um, basically told them they can't carry out this proposed lend program because it'll be classed yeah. as a security, but then they don't go on to elaborate necessarily why it is, why they consider it a, um, a security, which um, so leaves, leaves uh, you know, not only Coinbase, but the rest of the crypto space, crypto blockchain space in this gray area, 
which you know yeah. doesn't is not like a it's not very positive is it like you know is that is that how we want our regulators to be regulating us mm -hmm. i mean i don't think so because like why would you not just explain you know the standard of which you know that you're applying so people yeah. can then under you know because then people can actually calibrate you know and try to figure out you know what's going on whether they should be in compliant or what 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 actions should they take as opposed to just mm, we're we've gotten the subpoena oh dear true <laughs> you know true no but i when i look at this i think it's more of a crackdown on stable coins and the great incentives you have from actually using mm -hmm. stable coins over fiat currency at the moment i think that's the main target of the sec and i think the four percent interest rate is also something that spikes the attention of the sec because a four percent interest rate is much higher than the average interest rate that banks offer currently on fiat mm -hmm. currencies uh whenever you hold them in even savings accounts yeah. i it's uh it's much more of an incentive for people to just move to stable coins and uh decentral or i guess usdc is somewhat centralized mm -hmm. but to these kinds of uh, tokens that are very close to fiat currencies, just with blockchain fundamentals. Mm -hmm. And I think that the, um, the fact that the SEC is cracking down on this is more of a protective measure for the US dollar, rather than a uh, direct attack on Coinbase. I think it's just trying to build some precedent on regulating and uh, combating stablecoin use. Uh, according to their own uh, kind of way of dealing with stablecoins. And stablecoins have been a massive um, topic for the SEC over the past well few years, mm -hmm. as long as kind of USDT and USDC uh, have been very common. Uh, the SEC has been going off about stablecoins. And I think that also the fact that they're somewhat centrally kind of arranged and that you have these token burnings that are voted on, uh, that that that's why the SEC kind of uh, protects the dollar from stablecoins, mm -hmm. and I think that taking this into account, the reason why we have seen uh, Luna skyrocket again, which is quite rare since it already had a I don't know like a two hundred percent or a, a two two x over like the past month, we can we see it still skyrocket. I think that that is because Luna, or at least the Terra project, is a fully decentralized, uh, stable coin, or at least Terra is, not Luna. Yeah. But Luna is kind of what you get as a reward, I believe. I don't exactly know. But I think that's why we see Luna, the project Luna, rocket as much as we have, because it's a, de a fully decentralized alternative to stable coins, which does not depend on, you know... Uh, a large company backing it right. like uh, for instance ftx i believe is behind tether if i'm correct partially are ftx right. behind tether tether I yeah don't... yeah i believe so let me let me fact check that i know the i know the main man's of uh, the main guy of um ftx he's the guy behind solana that's mm -hmm. the thing but um on on the sec basically then we you know with this situation we again have to ask ourselves like are they really protecting com consumers or is are they yeah. protecting banks through um what mark cuban was expressing to mark um to mark armstrong brian armstrong um 
uh, what is it called? Legislation through litigation is what he said. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Mark, Mark Cuban, who's big into crypto, big into blockchain, has jumped in into this, uh, you know, Coinbase, Coinbase SEC drama, expressing yeah. to, you know, Brian Armstrong that, you know, that they should go on the offensive, essentially, because mm -hmm. this is, yeah, you know, these regulators are trying to regulate through litigation because, you know, they're just going to leave it. They just want to leave it up to the lawyers eventually who in what in what mark cuban expressed is not where you know where you want you know new technologies to be regulated you don't want to be you know new technologies to be regulated by lawyers who are just gonna you know hinder innovation which is what probably mark cuban is in, in you know infor inferring in his uh, in his statements but you yeah. know no that's, who, that's true who, but who better who better to go on the offensive right um than than coinbase who has all the resources to go on the offensive, right? And it's not it's not necessarily like that you need to go on the offensive in um in the court of law, which they could do, mm -hmm. could very well do. But it's also like the court of public opinion, like lobbying in many in you know many respects that they could engage in. Um, there's just many avenues, you know, which you know maybe this is the time for Coinbase to finally step up, and you know. You know, face the SEC. Yeah, I think so. And they've been very vocal. Mm -hmm. Also, a small correction on my statement. It's Bitfinex that okay. uh, Bitfinex. technically owns uh, USD Tether, or at least the company that manages USD mm -hmm. Tether. Um, so, yeah. No, I, I agree with what you just said. I think um, maybe additional to this is uh, Coinbase has been very vocal. And I think that this might be kind of... Uh, just a warning shot, you know, uh, Coinbase as with such a large audience, such a large user base, being such a legitimate company, which came from kind of uh, the crypto, yeah, which came from the crypto space, being so negative about the policies being set forth by the mm -hmm. SEC, this might also be more of a political move than um, uh, a, a legislative move. This you know? is, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculously aggressive from the from the sec in my opinion yeah. like they just subpoenaed them told them they get sued if they offer this i mean you know it's it's ridiculous because in my opinion like coinbase like you just said is a very compliant very you know you know mm -hmm. crypto native you know um company which you know the us should want to host like they should you know, be, in my opinion, they should be more, take a more collaborative stance towards working with these crypto companies like Coinbase, you know, in yeah. terms of how should they regulate, who better to, you know, if they're, you know, if you're taking the consideration of stakeholders, like retail businesses, and whoever you want to take, you know, you know, take opinions from Coinbase would be right up there in terms of industry the industry yeah. you know giants who you'd want to speak to and collaborate with and have their opinion on what you know <laughs> what regulation should look like maybe you know but um no <laughs> just we'll sue you <laughs> damn exactly but that's what we're seeing and i think it's also because um well of course the usa wants their own centralized uh mm -hmm digital currency i don't know if it will use any blockchain <laughs> technology yeah. but I, th I think they want a digital currency of their own yeah. 
because that's just the future you know it's the way that uh well like the the ecb ecb recently uh kind of approved a proposal to create a digital euro um because it's costless or mm -hmm. at, at least as costless as it can be and i think that this is the move that the u.s is also making simple uh, like a very simple way of uh, regulating and controlling its own currency to a higher extent in a similar way as we have seen China do it and very successfully so with the digital yuan. The digital yuan is being mass adopted in very short amounts of time. And that's what we're seeing here. I think that's also the, the direction that this very aggressive um, warning shot from the SEC mm -hmm towards more um, applied uses of stable coins yeah. uh, seems to loom at. And yeah, I think moving on from the SEC's actions, uh, we're seeing a, a trend where a lot of approvals are being given for ex uh, extra research into centralized digital currencies. Central banks are issuing uh, these approvals. And I think that that is why stable coins will be cracked down on this hard, especially stable coins uh, that are more like a mirror image of uh, fiat currency mm -hmm. that is already existing. Right. And I think that uh, that's what we're seeing, like a USD Tether, USD uh, SC, or USDC. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think there's also uh, a Euro variant of this right now. I think that's why <laughs> Euro regulators are... Yeah, there, there is a, a, there's a Euro yeah, yeah. stable coin, but it's just very unused. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> But I think that's why uh, we see now proposals by the ECB on uh, instant payment systems, completely digital currencies, um, be approved with this with this rate. And I think that's um, yeah, I think that's where this kind of aggressive attitude towards stable coins and their mm -hmm. use is coming from. Okay. That's definitely an interesting thesis. I'm very curious how this digital euro pans out mm -hmm. in terms of adoption because the the eu and the euro covers a large population of the world you know a large yeah. you know i mean it's not the biggest population in the world but like it's a lot of people using the euro right so it's yeah. it's going to be very interesting to see how the rollout of a digital euro is you know mm -hmm. is a uh, is done you know in especially yeah in, you know, consider. I think. I think in the EU, they probably might get it right. You know, I have. I have a lot of. Do you think? I don't know. I. Th I reckon, like, in terms of adoption, like, if they roll it mm -hmm. out, I, I mean, it. I really think it depends on whether they they delegate that to the, to the nation state or not. Like whether to like figure out how to, you know, roll it out to their own to to, to their citizens, because because yeah. the EU tends to do that. They they put out these things and then they're like, okay, countries, you figure it out how to like, you know, put this out to your, it, it's very similar to the EU digital vaccine certificate. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, is it called a certificate? I believe something like that, but basically with the QR, with the codes, QR codes, but it's like sanitary passes. Yeah. Um, the yeah. EU basically legislated it, but it's up to the its nation state to like figure out how you know their citizens are able to access this. That's true, but I I do see in the EU a large um, 
move towards uh, granting more power to like the European Commission. And, you know, these proposals are coming from a very centralized mm-hmm. government. And it's there's a difference between the nation states taking the initiative yeah. versus the nation states being uh, proposed an initiative which they can choose to execute in varying degrees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But before we get into the, the politics yeah. of that, I also think that if you look at the ECB, yeah. right, the ECB has been gaining a lot of power. Yeah. I think that the moment large European countries would adopt a digital European currency or a centralized digital European currency that will most likely be um, regulated from the perspective or at least from the the point of the ECB rather than from uh, national central banks. Mm-hmm that uh national or that nations will give up a lot of the the governance that they currently have over the mm-hmm. euro and i think that that's maybe not the best for uh nation sovereignty and i think that's the main difference that we see between the digital euro the us dollar yeah. uh as a digital asset and the digital yuan okay. the european the digital euro is much more of a move towards a centralized monetary policy mm-hmm. uh, in comparison towards the, a digital dollar or a digital yuan, because that is just one country yeah. managing its as, uh, its uh, asset. Well, yeah, its main asset, its currency as a centralized mm-hmm. uh, digital currency, whereas the European Central Bank moves its fiat currency power more and more from the nation mm-hmm. states towards a centralized bank, right. the European centralized bank. I think that's a massive move. I don't per se know if it's positive or negative. The, po- the, poli- the politics sometimes... of it are very, are, very, are very interesting. And it's, yeah. but if I have anything to say about it, it's, um, I don't foresee much kickback. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not like, as from, from EU, quote unquote, EU citizens, like I just don't foresee much kickback. Because no. I mean, it's these countries have, are used are used to having a supranational organization like the EU. Yeah. You know, of course, you have some uh, some hate, haters of the EU, but as a as a whole, I don't think most citizens care. Most citizens don't know what the EU does. Most you know, yeah. most citizens don't know how the EU works, and you know, they just live life basically. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like for most people. The, the EU, a digital EU, is, uh, e, a digital euro will just come about, and however it's implemented, oh well, you know, it's not. We're not going to see riots like in El Salvador, you know what I no. mean? No, that's true. But I think if I if I had the choice, I would prefer to have my uh, my stable coin holdings in something like uh, Terra. Yeah. yeah, I mean, rather than a digital euro, because it's just more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you really have the ownership mm-hmm. of your tokens and it's much more clear and much less uh, controlled by uh, external centralized powers, yeah. which is, I think that's the point of crypto, right? We we move away from a centralized mm-hmm. uh, system towards a decentralized system where more people have a say mm-hmm. or a vote on what happens to their uh, right. currency and the management of their currency. I think that yeah, I, I think don't know. If, if that's because I... we cling to the, these principles that have been baked into blockchain and crypto from the beginning. You know, like with the mm-hmm. cypherpunks and how crypto natives tend to like approach crypto and blockchain. And but with this kind of stuff, with the yuan, 
with digital euro or digital dollar, I think what we're seeing is um, nation state amalgamations on uses of blockchain technology. And it's going to be, you know, like, of course, you can have your bags, you're going to have your bags in terror, right? Because that's what you prefer to have your stable coins in. But like, it's going to be interesting to see how these two types of approaches to, well, uh, stable coins mm-hmm. could coexist, right? Like, um, yeah. it, and I really dip, I think it depends on the rollout and the use cases mm-hmm. that they implement for the digital euro. Because I can yeah. totally see like, okay, digital euro is being used across Europe for in whatever way, right? But you can choose to keep your, you know, Luna, your Luna bags as Luna, right? But maybe, yeah. you know, for those particular use cases where you need to interact with the euro you you, then you you just you know you trade into that and then yeah that's sort of how i foresee it in the future right i mean i think if 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 um exchange cross digital currencies will will become easier that it will be very positive because it will be just a shorter the, the distance between a digital euro that uses a, a decentralized framework or a blockchain framework and um, i don't know any cryptocurrency is much shorter mm-hmm. than the digi- the distance between fiat currency the way it is as of now yeah. in the traditional financial manner which is a bit outdated uh, and its distance to crypto as of now mm-hmm. i think that you know the two move closer together right in case of digitization and decentralization. But I believe that there's another, it's another side to that discussion. Whereas a digitization of the Euro can also lead to more excluding policies against cryptocurrency and more kind of gatekeeping for the digital Euro. So it could also create more barriers against cryptocurrency Mm -hmm. because of the abundance and centralized policy of a digital Euro. I get where you're going. I yeah. do get where you're going, but we just kind of have I, to see I how think, it rolls. It pans out. Yeah, I think it's it it, it depends all how it pans out. Because what if uh, the European Union says, "Well, here's your your uh, your digi euro. <laughs> the digi euro. Uh, you can't spend it on Binance. Oh, you know, you you gotta watch out for something like dude, that. That's a lot of control. Pain, dude. Pain. Yeah. Honestly, it's such it's such the banks are making it so hard right now to yeah. to to onboard i mean to to take your fiat out into crypto and to do the vice you know the other way around but guys work yeah. it out work it out this is exactly the reason why we need crypto blockchain because no one should really be telling us how to be using our money in this way you know restricting our use of yeah. money exactly yeah. and i think that's that's if i have to give one sentiment on to our listeners which by the way shout out to you guys you you've been multiplying mm-hmm. Big uh, ups. i'd be i'd say maybe take it into account that more digitization of your fiat currency mm-hmm. from centralized authorities might also lead to more exclusionary practices towards cryptocurrency and i think that it's very possible and i think considering their monetary policies as of well the past mm-hmm. I feel like it would be very in line with their monetary policies. Mm-hmm. I feel you. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have a do you ha- do you have a 
different perspective you, you i think you are more of a it will work out yeah i mean i, I feel like guy, right? i mean if it doesn't work out like oh well you know i'm i'm big on the decentralized you know projects anyway mm. like this isn't this isn't like what i care about necessarily right i'm interested in it because it's what's happening you know it's crypto related it's blockchain related and it's mm -hmm. nation state related and but um yeah. and the politics of it are interested but like again i'm pretty like you know this is happening because and if yeah. it works out it'll work out i think like you know however i, I feel like the success of it matters doesn't matter to me right like this yeah. notion of it working out like Mm -hmm. what does it mean to have it work out right mass adoption like it's going to be adopted a lot like whether or not i like i believe that they might put it out if it mm -hmm. succeeds or not if it works out quote unquote works out or not has very little effect on you know these decentralized products like that, that yeah. we, we are more like um you know drawn to for for many reasons mm -hmm. because we're not interested in these centralized products, you know, we're in interested in, you know, the paradigmic shifts that are happening because of decentralized pro projects like, you know, like Terra, like, you know, Ethereum, like, like Bitcoin, right? Yeah. We're so for me, it's just like, that's cool. That's happening. If it, you know, mm -hmm. it, you know, however they implement it, like, yeah, it built like, this no the quote unquote working out I feel like could mean very various different things right yeah and, um, no absolutely they, I think this is definitely a topic we should do a deep dive into definitely. maybe on a later episode because it's important as well because it's like it's it it's how important. it's also how well why it is important I think is because it it gives us a glimpse into how states are viewing blockchain and crypto technology I mean mm -hmm. uh, just with the SEC thing like. It, I think it really gives us a, a view into like how they are coming to approach, you know, crypto blockchain like regulation. And that's and that's yeah. definitely something we have to look at, like whether we care about digital euro and all these, uh, you know, these uh, like, you know, nation state stable coins. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter if you don't care about them. It, it matters like that they exist. This is happening. Because yeah. how they approach that is going to be, it's going to, you know, give us a glimpse into how they're going to look into, you know, the projects we do care about. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I, yeah, I agree. But I think with that said, mm -hmm. maybe we should, do you, do you want to do a quick takes to wrap up the episode or shall we keep it for our next episode? Yeah, let's. It's up to you. Hmm. We, let's let's do the quick takes. Let's do the quick takes. Let's, let's do the quick takes. Put okay. them in. Let's put them in. I, I know y'all enjoyed it yeah, last yeah, yeah. week. So quick takes. Quick take number one: a Bitcoin day went badly in El Salvador. Yeah. So <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not very, not very popular, uh, contrary to reports. Mm -hmm. uh, the launch of the Chivo wallet, well, it was full of problems, but not only uh, because of the server issues, but uh, due to just like major app stores not supporting it and because consumers missed out on the $30 Bitcoin reward, which is a lot in El Salvador. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. So, so they went on, they protested. Um, that's peak, man. That's peak. But this is, <laughs> hopefully this is not what Bitcoin adoption looks like. Like I no. knew it was going to be rocky, but this is a, it didn't have to be like this. You don't expect 
protests no, against exactly adoption. Um, at least not physical protests, you know, because mm -hmm. we were gonna keep it digital, guys. You know, keep it on, <laughs> keep yeah. it on the internet, on the blockchain. Where's where's the project? Uh, the protest on the what is it called? Decentralized. <laughs> exactly. Honestly, that. Yes, dude, on the metaverse. <laughs> but you know, I think this is just what well, it is. What it is, you know, Bitcoin adoption is not gonna be as smooth as you know as mm -hmm. you know any most people want to want it to be it's going to be because yeah. this is you know this is like a top down in not enforcement but top down you know top down forced adoption of bitcoin That's in, in in a sense and like it's going to take time for people to get used to it to, and um you know some people might feel like they have to protest you know yeah it, yeah but I think also it's a this pro this problem is very much from the the, the know your customer KYC mm -hmm. kind of perspective okay. because the way that I, I believe the Chiva wallet wallet requires KYC so you have to give your personal information uh, utility bill driver's license mm -hmm. all that stuff you know the standard gist but it was very weak so people could open a lot of Chivo wallets claim a lot of these rewards in a very short amount of time. And then these $30 went to a certain amount of people rather than every single person who opened the Chivo wallet. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's a cautionary tale. If you decide to use KYC, use it well. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And not this 50-50 this uh, approach of, ah, it's kind of KYC. <sighs> yeah, it's, it's this nation state stuff, bro. Nation state stuff. Yeah. Because It's funny because like, it's the 50 50 makes me laugh bro because it's like the guy wants to be very you know man's wants to be crypto but like mm -hmm. they can't resist being nation state you know exactly. <laughs> it's, it's it's in it's it's in the nature yeah. of, of of the animal mm -hmm. right it, they will want to regulate they will want to know where the money is going yeah. uh it is what it is i th i hope i hope there aren't future protests and you know i mean the thing is, in, especially in El Salvador, it's like it's not like they forced everyone to use mm -hmm. Bitcoin. I mean, it's just that, I, from my understanding, what's going on in Bit in in El Salvador, right? It's just um, mm -hmm. like shops, you know, people who are doing commerce, like restaurants, and all they have to accept Bitcoin. That's my understanding, yeah. right? It's not like you're forced mm -hmm. to use Bitcoin. It um, yeah. as a consumer, you're not forced to use Bitcoin. It's just if you're mm -hmm. what's what's the word is um merchant. merchant there you go merchant thank yeah. you you have to accept bitcoin so this protest seems very uh <laughs> i mean yeah Ra random random to me like people got it's mad <laughs> people got mad because they couldn't get a bitcoin reward and stuff yeah i mean yeah we i mean we That's face important. loads of issues all the time I'd, I've never felt mm -hmm. compelled to protest about it, <laughs> but like, oh, well, I guess people aren't used to like where this is a new space, you know, I don't think they see that they're going to be kinks that need the... to be worked out. Like, I don't know, this new technology, yeah. there's going to be issues. <laughs> it just happened. Yeah. But I, I also think that because of the wealth related yeah. issues that El Salvador already experiences yeah, yeah. introducing Bitcoin and specifically El Salvador will always come with its, mm -hmm. you know, unfortunate turn of events. I think the consumers will really like it because they get 30 bucks worth of Bitcoin. Yeah. They might not decide to use Bitcoin, but 30 bucks is 30 yeah. bucks. Uh, but maybe merchants don't like that. They have to rely on uh, a very volatile asset, maybe for certain parts of their income. Let's see what they so, say in 10 years. 
let's see what they say in 10 years. No, another quick mm-hmm. take. Uh, FTX launches an NFT marketplace. I think that was a big uh, item this past mm-hmm. week, but it got spammed with pictures of fish. Jokes. Now, <laughs> great. a lot dance. of people basically duplicated a picture of a fish and then still sold it for uh, lots of money. Yeah. I think that this is a cautionary tale because it's about the storage of the NFTs and where they're stored. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, what what the issue is. And all these images of fish were duplicated and sold for, I don't know, little to no money. But it's just, it goes against the principle of an NFT if it's done by different people. You know, if one person decides to issue 100 pictures of a fish, that's fine. You know, that's a limited amount. But if everyone can issue pictures of a fish, yeah then it goes against the principles of NFTs. Yeah, the, the non, non-fungible nature of it. But then, yeah. is, it, is, it, is it the actual... now? Because now this is a question of whether is the token the non-fungible aspect of it, or is it everything mm-hmm. behind the token that is the non-fungible part of it, right? Because you have... Okay, yeah. let's take the Board Ape Club. Yeah, Board mm-hmm. uh, Ape Yacht Club project, right? They got them... Yeah. They have their NFTs, right? Let's say... Let's say some other people create identical NFTs. I'm not even sure if that's possible, right? Mm-hmm. Identical NFTs, right? What has more legitimacy, right? The one that's actually been made by this project that's developed a community, you know, a community, the the whole everything around board yacht, Ape Yacht Club, right? The, mainly the community yeah. and everything surrounding it, and that that might be you know that might now have to be factored in into non-fungible nature of tokens mm-hmm. of, of of nfts right it's not just the yeah. actual whatever the nft is but everything that surrounds mm-hmm. it and that sort of needs to be baked in into under our understanding of what a non-fungible token mm-hmm. is but i definitely agree with you this is like a nft storage issue that like you know hasn't been tackled hasn't been talked about you know yeah and it's something that i think is percolating there are talks about you know about this but mm-hmm. it just hasn't broken into the um i don't know nft twitter as as strong as like you know because people are very caught up in the froth of you know finding the next profile picture project yeah 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 but I, I think what happened here and why the outrage was so hard against uh, FTX is because it got flooded by different also pictures of fish, but it were so many pictures of fish that they put a one-time $500 fee mm-hmm. uh, to submit and list NFTs. Right. Yeah? And people freaked out at this because it's a lot of money. It's a very high barrier for publishing mm-hmm. NFTs. And uh, they said, hopefully this will reduce spam. Yeah. Now, people kind of freaked out at it yeah. because ETH gas is then more affordable. Let's say you want to mint one NFT. Yeah. So it's pretty insane. And then later on, they went to um, correct their original attempt at reducing the spam and made it a flat cost of $10 per yeah. NFT to mint and no upfront cost like the 500 bucks. Now, I think... Um, I think people then calmed down, but I think that the original approach was very standard centralized. You know mm-hmm. what? We're going to make a big old fine, a big old fee uh, <laughs> to stop the spam from people who are minting yeah. NFTs. It's, it's like you create an NFT platform, you create this framework, yeah. 
and people start actively using it. They start spamming it with pictures of fish. That's kind of funny. It's probably. Good I think it's good promotion, to be honest. Yeah. Like, because eventually that wears off and people start using it properly. No, exactly. And FTX has been going ham. Like, they have so much funding to do so many things. Like, they, they're they now, you know, partners in a major esports team, TSM, Team Solo Mid. Mm-hmm. They're even in the name now. It's called FTX TSM. And they have yeah. ads with Brady. And they have a mm-hmm. partnership with Stephen Curry. You know, these two huge athletes. I mean, the what some people call the greatest football of all time. And Steph Curry, the greatest shooter of all time, no doubt, in my opinion. Yeah. And they're... Two big giants getting into crypto and they're getting into crypto and blockchain through FTX. So FTX has been doing yeah. crazy things. And, um, you know, that might be why Solana is also going, um, is also, you know, pumping. Because the main mm-hmm. guy behind FTX is also the main guy behind Solana. True. So that's interesting True. watch. Which, which also begs the question of the decentralized, you know, what we're giving up with decentralization by you know with solana but that's maybe something for another episode true true i think also what you see from ftx here is again a warning shot hey centralized uh platforms they have the authority and the power to just make up these fees yeah exactly a decentralized network people have to vote on it people have to be in agreement. nothing will happen if a majority of votes does not agree mm-hmm. with yeah. Uh, at least if there's a governance token in place, right? Then the, if the majority agrees with something, it will happen. So always the majority at least will be happy. Here you have moments where very few people are happy because all of a sudden they have to pay 500 bucks. FTX is happy, its consumers aren't. It's also maybe better for a service provider like FTX mm-hmm. to incorporate this kind of community input for yeah. implements, something like a 500 euro fee. That's a bit mad. Disclaimer, I like ETH. There's none of this there. No, <laughs> I mean, come, yeah, but definitely we should deep dive into this in another um, episode, I think. Absolutely. So shall we do one more? Shall we wrap up? Let's wrap it up. Here? We don't want to. This is the up. morning listening. <laughs> morning listening. Yeah. Absolutely. So as you might see, this past week in crypto has been a bit volatile, a bit uncertain, a bit of a mixed bag overall. But I think that that summarizes the state of the market, mm-hmm. the state of you know, the average investor and the state of the regulation at this past week. So let's see what happens next. I say, and we I say enjoy the ride. <laughs> exactly. Enjoy the ride. And we'll see you next week in the next episode of the Block Exploring Podcast. Take it easy. Peace out.